Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. Today in the show we're going to be talking about pre-emerge herbicides in soybeans specifically. I want to discuss today the three pre program we talk about all the time for better weed control. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm, our phone number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us radio at agphd.com or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia or Brian Hefty. All right, so when it comes to pre-emerge weed control in soybeans, the reason why this is so important is because post-emerge Our options are limited. Now, I realize that today we have Enlist. So that means you could spray Liberty, the new 2,4-D, or glyphosate. We also have Extend, so you could spray glyphosate or dicamba. We also have straight Liberty beans or Liberty Link soybeans. So you could spray Liberty out there. We do have many more options than we used to. It's not just conventional. It's not just Roundup. But nevertheless, it's still much more difficult to control these weeds post-emerge, especially when they get any size to them. It costs a fair amount of money. Dicamba, 2,4-D, Liberty, they're not cheap. Now, granted, Liberty's coming down in price this year, but still, it's not cheap to get these things under control post-emerge since Roundup doesn't work anymore. So we would just really encourage you, take a look at a great pre-emerge herbicide program for soybeans. So I want to talk about some things that I say, yep, that's great. And some other things that I say, nope, don't want to do it. All right, let's start with this. I really like the yellows. That's trifluralin, sonalan, or prowl. So typically it's if you're in conventional till, you go trifluralin. If you're in no-till, you go prowl. And the if, let's put it this way, if I'm in conventional till, I want to put these products out. Any pre-emerge herbicide, I want it out there before I till the ground if I am lightly tilling. So if I'm using a field cultivator or something that's running really shallow, I I am all in favor of put it out in advance. And when you go yellow, you can go with a yellow and you go trifluralin, you can save roughly eight bucks, maybe even 10 bucks over prowl. So if I can, I'm gonna do tillage. If I'm in no-till, or let's say even strip-till, then I'm going to go with Prowl. Yep, it costs a little more money. But here's the thing. A lot of people will look at these Group 15s, whether it's Warrant, Dual, Outlook, Zidua, and they'll say, well, I want to use a Group 15 instead. Then then I'll just use that in no-till or whatever. I don't have to worry about it like I do with Trifluralin. Yep, that's correct, but you can use Prowl. Okay, now Prowl is going to cost a little more than these Group 15s, but Prowl is also better. And here's the other thing. You're going to use a group 15 in in corn. You're going to use a group 15 early post, potentially in soybeans. And my last point with this and why I wouldn't use a group 15 pre is it can be just a little bit harder on the beans than trifluralin or prowl. So I'm going to use a yellow. All right, then I'm going to really strongly encourage you, take a look at Metribizin. Unless you have absolute pure sand, you can use Metribizin. The biggest pushback I get in my region of the country is high pH ground. And guys will say, well, I hear Metribizin will kill the beans. (laughs) Well, look, anything can kill the beans if you don't use it correctly, okay? I, I, I just would tell you this, with Metribizin, the full rate, and this is the old Syncor 
or Lexone. So if you remember those from 30 years ago, I do. Uh, lots of that used to get used before some of these newer products came out. But anyway, use Metribuzin. And the reason why is because it'll kill almost every single round of persistent weed that there is. It doesn't last super long in the soil, so you don't have to worry about carryover to next year. And it's relatively inexpensive. The full rate is actually two-thirds of a pound for soybeans. Now, we never, if you listen to us for Ag PhD, when we're making recommendations, we never recommend the full rate. We, we only recommend a, a third of a pound. And the reason why is because we get worried about people overdoing it in high pH soils or in fairly sandy soils. Again, the only time you shouldn't use metribuzin is if you have pure sand. Okay, but as long as you don't have pure sand, use some metribuzin. Now, if your pH is high, I have good news for you. You get to save money. Metribuzin is in the same chemical family as atrazine, and both atrazine and metribuzin work better and are more active in high pH soils. So you can use low, a lower rate, save money, and still get the same performance. So that's good news. So what I usually will tell people is if your soil pH is over 7.4, instead of using a third of a pound, I'm probably cutting back to a sixth of a pound, maybe an eighth of a pound. All right. Then the third thing. So I already mentioned a yellow, metribuzin, and then it's either authority or valor. That's the PPO chemical family. Well, there are other PPOs out there. For example, there is Sharpen. I hate Sharpen in soybeans. Now, <laughs> I love Sharpen in wheat. I love Sharpen in corn. But the reason why I hate it and I do not want you to use it in soybeans is because you can't use enough to get a residual that is, uh, that's going to last you more than a week, okay, so or maybe 10 days. Since you can't use a high rate of Sharpen, I would encourage you to use Authority or Valor. And by the way, you can't use a low rate of Sharpen together with Authority or Valor. And the reason why I, I keep talking about this Sharpen rate is because Sharpen will hurt soybeans if you get too much on, and PPOs, if you get too much of them, will hurt soybeans. So only use Authority or Valor, all right? No Sharpen. The other thing, there is there are PPOs that we're, we're going to talk about post. So Flexstar, for one. Uh, Fomesophen is the active ingredient. I love that post-emerge. That's great to save that for post. Could you use it pre? Yes. But why use that PPO when instead you can use better PPOs, Authority or Valor, that will give you more residual, kill more weeds, and you can't use Authority or Valor post. So the three pre-program that we talk about so often is a yellow plus metribuzin plus either Authority or Valor. And by the way, uh, this year with rebates, so Valor is under the Bear Plus program. Authority, uh, they have the FMC Freedom Pass. You can save money on both of those things. So this whole program does not have to be very expensive. Could be 12 bucks to $20, you know, somewhere in that range to get three effective modes of action. Well, we'll keep talking about pre-emerge herbicides and soybeans today on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. A pasture should have two things grass, and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit noweedsnobrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Build with the best. 
When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Record bankruptcies and extreme weather. The two biggest threats facing farming today. But what if instead of trying to solve these issues separately, we asked how these issues could solve each other? Introducing Indigo Carbon, the first program that pays farmers to remove carbon from the air. Good news for farmers and for the planet. Visit indigoag.com grow to learn more. Indigo, from questions we grow. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're talking about pre-emerge herbicides in soybeans. If you've got any questions for us, the number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll get to some of your emails later in the show during our Ag PhD mailbag time. And you can find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, or Brian Hefty. All right, so first on the show today... Uh, we've got Brent Newberger on with us. He is with FMC. And uh, Brent, uh, I guess just to kind of cue things up here, FMC has a lot of different pre-emerge herbicides. And I'll just be honest, I see all these authority names there. Sometimes I think farmers can get a little confused because there are so many different authority versions. How do you kind of sort that out? Where do you start that conversation with most farmers? Well, really, I look at, at what their weed spectrum is because with all the authority products, we have different tank mix or premix partners, and, and so we can tailor the correct pre-emerge because with all the authority products, the, the, the sulfentrazone, you know, the group 14 is very good on those small seed of broadleaves, very good on the water hemp and the palmer pigweed, but it's not as good on, on some of the larger seed of broadleaves as well as, you know, it has a little grass suppression, but, you know, if somebody needs more grass activity, we go to a product like Authority Supreme where we're bringing in pyroxysulfone, which gives us that grass activity and gives us more uh, uh, small seed of broadleaves, more water hemp, another mode of action. Or if we got large seed of broadleaves, like, say, we got a bunch of giant ragweed, we go to a product like Authority First that has the premix partner that is going to complement uh, that Authority product. Yeah, I was going to bring up Authority first to begin with. We talk a lot about Authority MTZ, and I was mentioning that earlier. We love Authority, we love Metribuzin, so that's great. But the Authority first has a fit, especially in ragweed areas, common ragweed, giant ragweed. What other weeds would you say are, uh, are real big targets when you recommend Authority first? 
Uh, probably if it's a no-till situation, you, you get some additional burn-down activity out of that uh, authority first. Also, if you're looking at some cocklebur or sunflower, uh, the authority first has a great fit. Um, okay, so you've mentioned authority supreme. That's basically the active ingredient in Zidua along with authority. We got authority and uh, authority MTZ. That's authority and metribuzin. Authority first. That's like authority plus first rate or the active ingredient first rate. Um, what what else? I, I mean, what other ones would you like to highlight today? Because there are several different premixes, like you say. Well, we have a number of premixes that have with, with classic. But those are probably more in the southern geography. We're going to look at southern Iowa, Missouri, southern Illinois. But that's probably not a fit up uh, north of I-80 because uh, of the concerns for rotational crops. Right. But we have a lot of listeners to the south. And so when you talk about classic and the old classic, you can get a lot of residual out of that. It is in that ALS chemical family. It's one of the old sulfonyl ureas. So what weeds would you say guys are mostly after when they're talking one of those classic premixes? Uh, again, you know, if, if we're getting into some of the cocklebur, uh sunflowers, it's uh, also an excellent product for burn down. I mean, and and then again, uh, you know, as we get into that southern area, there is a lot more uh, no-till acres, so it does fit very, very well to to complement whatever burn down partners we're going to be running with. One of the things that I personally like about authority, and I talk about this all the time, is just the length of residual. Because very often, guys will have a little bit of hail. They'll have a little wind damage. They'll have a spot out in their field where we didn't get perfect crop canopy. With many herbicides we use today, you don't have very long residual. So if you don't have perfect crop canopy, you have weeds coming back. And I have liked the fact that authority does kind of hang on later in the season. Can you talk to us a little about that? Well, yeah. I mean, if we look at the residual properties of the authority, it is a little bit longer, uh, longer half-life than some of the other class 14s. And, and as I guess as I look at the pre-emerge products that we can apply to soybeans, the 14s have the, the probably given us the, the best and the longest residual control for some of those small cedar broadleaves, particularly as we're dealing with the water hemp and the palmer pigweed. And that's where everybody kind of asks the first question, you know, how does it work on these weeds? Uh, Those are the toughest ones. Those are the ones that are going to last the longest, like you mentioned. And if we don't have great canopy, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, given that length of control. And so, again, as we look at that, the the 14s seem like they do the best. And of the 14s, Sulfentrazone or Authority does appear like it sets itself above all the other ones. Again, I always emphasize to 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 my uh, um, retailers and, and growers, you know, we always need to make sure that you know it's so important now with the pre-emerge residuals to use the right rate. You know, we've gone through yeah. some of those setup rate years, and, and if we're only looking at trying to do three, four weeks of control, we can do that by cutting rates. But is that the best thing for a sustainable? We control program, and I don't think so, especially yep. <laughs> with uh, us wanting to preserve the traits as long as we can. You know, we've seen what happened to Roundup. Now let's not screw this up again. Let's start with our best foot forward. Yep, I agree with you 100%. Again, we've been talking to Brent Newberger. He is with FMC. Brent, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Great stuff. Hey, hey thank you very much. You bet. All right, next we got Lowell Sandell on with us. He is with Valent. Hey, Lowell, how are you today? 
Doing great. How are you? Excellent. All right. So I was just talking to an agronomist this morning about fierce and valor. And I assume those are the top two products you're usually discussing with farmers when it comes to pre-emerge herbicides, correct? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, fierce with two modes of action has really become kind of our our, our first choice uh, yeah. when we're talking about um, soil residual for water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Uh Okay, so talk to us just a little bit more about that. Why, why having that additional product in there, that uh, that Zidua component in with the Valor, why is that making such a difference for you? Well, it, it's um, it, w- when we're talking about trees, uh, you know, we're w- they're really the foundation of of a good overall resistance management and just general weed control program. So having two effective modes of action out there uh, in a pre-emergence herbicide is really beneficial because un- unless a, a grower has irrigation and they can control uh, how much moisture uh, is out there, um, a, a lot of times, you know, the, the farmer is, is the performance of that pre is very much dictated about uh, what kind of rainfall and environmental conditions uh, we have. So having uh Two modes of action, uh, like like a fierce uh, has, uh, is beneficial in terms of, uh, you know, the environmental conditions might be correct to activate one versus the other. um, And you're kind of covering your bases uh, a, a little bit more. We were just talking about authority a little bit, and it's long half-life. Well, one of the advantages that Valor has is a shorter half-life, and we still see good residual till fairly late in the season. But in terms of rotational restrictions, there are fewer when it comes to Valor, right? Uh, that is correct. In terms of uh, rotational flexibility, um, Valor and, and even Fierce, are, are extremely flexible in terms of uh, rotational crops uh, the following year. Um, and even uh, should the weather, you know, uh, go against you in, in there's a need for a replant or anything like that, um, your options are uh, very, very open with uh, either one of those products. Very, very flexible. I got about 30 seconds left, Lowell. Anything else you wanted to cover today while we're talking about these pre-emerge soybean herbicides? Um, you, you know, just thinking about uh, getting started uh, for next year, uh, you know, it's been kind of a difficult uh, season in, in a lot of areas, um, but, you know, it's time to kind of turn the page, and we are thinking about 2020 uh, now, um, and just getting a solid um, residual program in place for next year uh, is, is going to be extremely beneficial for, for folks out there. and. Um, you know, we'd encourage them to look at Fierce or Fierce MTZ. All right. Again, we've been talking to Lowell Sandell with Valent. Lowell, thanks a lot for the time today. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned. We'll talk more pre-emerge soybean herbicides right after this. Revitec fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitec fungicide. 
brand new chemistry, three no-excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide from BASF. That's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit FarmShopMFG.com. Avoid dry run failures with the new Hypro Force Field Pump. Providing the ultimate protection, this wet seal pump will save you on costly in-season downtime to keep your sprayer running. Now all you have to worry about is the weather. Hypro, helping you spray better. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grace on Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Graze on Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit LeaveTheWeedsToUs.com to learn more about Graze on Next. Always read and follow label directions. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG Soil Fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio. If you've got any questions for us about our topic today, pre-emerge herbicides and soybeans, or anything else that's going on in your farm or any agronomic question you've got, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send me an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, next we've got Jason Snell on with us. He is with Syngenta. Hey, Jason, how are you today? Hey, Brian, not too bad. Yourself? I'm doing great. All right, we're talking about pre-emerge herbicides and soybeans, and one of the things that I find interesting with Syngenta, I, I don't know about the number of products with every other company, but I think Syngenta may have the most products of any company out there, which uh, means you have to know an awful lot working for Syngenta. Tell us about maybe the most commonly asked about two or three pre-emerge soybean herbicides that Syngenta has. Yeah, we've got a pretty good uh, range of products, and the, the most common, three most common would be Broadax, 
um, which would have a sulfentrazone and a esmetolachlor or a dual mix. Um, uh, boundary, which would again rely on the dual for a lot of the residual, and then it mixes that with um, metribuzin. And uh, the third one that we've, it's gaining more popularity here recently would be prefix, which is um, Femesifin, the active ingredient in Flexstar and Reflex, um, mixed with, with dual magnum for that residual. Those are kind of our three main pre's um, that we're using on the market currently. All right. So let's talk first about the prefix. The, the thing that I like most about that is this. If we talk about many of these soybean pre's, they are some of the most returned product uh, products that there are in ag retail today. Because farmers have to use them pre, they can't use them post. Whereas prefix, if a guy gets that, he could use it pre, you could use it early post, you could even use it mid post. Um, I mean, you only have to be concerned about that flex star rotation to corn once you start getting much later. But I mean, that's got to be a huge advantage for you with prefix, right? Yeah, Prefix has been a really nice product for for that reason, and uh, we've used it more in the last few years, actually, as a post applied. Uh, so you're getting your promethazine yep. rate of the reflex plus the dual in there. Um, but this year and the last few years with uh, new herbicide um, traits coming on the market, it's opened up that that side where you don't have to save that one shot of promethazine in your Flexstar as a post shot. You can actually use it pre and follow up with other modes of action post. Yeah, or the other option would be, okay, you mentioned Broadax that's got basically the active ingredient and authority or boundary, uh, metribuzin in there. So you've got some dual in there, but it's not like a ridiculously high rate. So really, you could go with Broadax or boundary down and follow with prefix post-emerge if you wanted to basically overlap your residuals, couldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of guys are doing that and they're throwing it in sometimes post with their uh, glyphosate if they're going in with a, in a Roundup bean or if that's the, the herbicide they're choosing to use or with the other products. All right. How about pre-emerge application tips to make those products work better? Are there any things where you say, boy, if the guy just would have applied it this way instead of this other way, we wouldn't have had the problem. What have you seen over the years with that? Yeah, I think the, the number one thing in my mind for pre-emerge on soybeans is um, um, rate of water. If you can get enough water out there with your pre-emerge pass, a lot of guys are going out and they're laying it down as quick as they can, so they reduce their water rate, less fills, uh, de- definitely speeds up your application, um, how many acres you can cover in a day. But if you really bump that water up, we like to see at least 10, sometimes uh, 15, is you can see a significant difference in total coverage uh, and getting that coverage out there because there is uh, the the PPO in Broadax does have some um, burn down burn properties down. with it, so you can get yeah you can get yep. a little burn down if you get enough water out there. That's what I was gonna say. Is actually with all three of your mixes, you do have some burn down. Now the dual, the active ingredient dual, has none, but the other ones all do. And that's the big thing with the water. We don't really have any big issue keeping the water low if literally all you're after is residual. But to your point, I, I mean, you got to get coverage on these weeds if you want to burn anything down. Yeah, absolutely. If you can cover as many of those growing points and get that burn um, as deep into the plant as you can, and that more water is generally always better for that. All right. Well, we've been talking to Jason Snell with Syngenta. Hey, Jason, thanks a lot for being on the show today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Have a good day. Yep, you too. All right, next we've got Dan Wallenstein. He is with BASF. Hey, Dan, how are things going for you today? Hey, going well. Thanks for having me on today. You bet. 
All right. So with BSF, I mean, it's a little bit, I was just mentioning with Syngenta, the number of products that that company has. Well, BSF has an awful lot of products anymore too. So I, I assume you're starting to get lots of questions about these pre-emerge soybean herbicides. Where do you kind of start with guys? Because you have a number of options at BSF as well. Yeah, we came out a couple of years ago with uh, Zidua Pro. Um, and that's a uh, kind of our combination product there. It's got three different sites of action, so we like that for the built-in resistance management. It's got the burn down that Sharpen has, but it also has a lot of residual power with the Zidua and then the Pursuit Chemistry as well. So a lot of overlapping residual there, and we've seen a lot of traction with that in the last couple of years. So how about, I, I think some people still get a little nervous when they hear the word pursuit, just because of some of the carryover issues we had 20, 25 years ago. What do you have for recommendations in terms of soil type and how you should use that product to get the best success, yet not have any risk going into next year? Yeah, so one of the nice things about Zidual Pro is it is a pre-product, and so getting it down early helps uh, with that. Um but the pursuit chemistry sometimes we, we forget about you know what it can do, but it uh, not only has some pretty good efficacy on grasses uh, just uh, for burn down, but also some residual grass control. And one of the things some of the products out there are missing is real good uh, large seeded broadleaf control. And some of the you know not overly common, but some of the the large seeded broadleaves like uh, you know some of the ones out there that we may struggle with with other chemistries that pursuit chemistry can kind of help out with some of the large seeded raw leaves as well. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing I don't think a lot of people realize is pursuit actually carries over more in low pH ground, unlike a lot of the other herbicides that carry over more in high pH ground. So as long as you're managing your soil pH, uh, the, the carryover is really lessened and, and I don't see a tremendous amount of issue most of the time. How about anything, anything else that you wanted to mention today for BSF pre's? Well, Verdict has, has been around for a while. We think about it more in corn because we can go with a higher rate. But sometimes now guys will go in uh, with Verdict and get a couple weeks of residual, and then they'll come back in, you know, with an Ingenia or Liberty plus another residual post. And uh, so that gives them some flexibility there if they want to get on a shorter residual pre. Uh, Verdict is kind of our main go-to in that situation. Now, I'm glad you mentioned Ingenia because that's one that I wanted to bring up. And most people aren't really usually going to think about that as a pre-emerge herbicide, but getting that dicamba out there as a pre can be incredibly effective, just not only as burn down, but you get a week or two out of, uh, worth of residual out of it as well. So talk to us a little about that for a minute. Yeah, so we're starting to see more Ingenia applications go earlier, even pre, as you said. Um, mare's tail would be a good example there where a, a growth regulator like Ingenia can be effective and um, you know we'd like to see sharpen in the tank as well when we're going after uh, mare's tail and um, you know but um, but Ingenia is a pretty good tool there for a burn down of broad leaves but as you said gives a couple weeks residual so it's a little different than uh, 2,4-D chemistry that really we don't see much residual out of that chemistry. 
Yeah, and the other thing that I, I tell people all the time, I do not like 2,4-D in front of regular soybeans. I mean, it's different if they're 2,4-D tolerant. But when you get extend beans out there and extend around a tremendous amount of acres, I mean, you can use the dicamba, and it's it's tremendous to your point on mare's tail. It's really good, but there are a lot of other weeds up a lot of times, whether it's no-till or strip-till. I mean, that's a lot of acres out there that we can get good performance. Um, hey, Dan, I got about 30 seconds left. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up today with soybean prees? Yeah, I just think it's the old adage, you start clean and stay clean, and we really got to get in there and have a good foundational pre if we're going to have success with weed control and soybeans. Yep, I agree 100%. Again, we've been talking to Dan Waldstein with BASF. Hey, Dan, thanks a lot for the time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. You bet. All right, once again, if you've got any questions for us here, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send me an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to your questions a little bit later in the show. Right after this break, we'll talk just a little bit more about soybean prees, though. Stay tuned. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. For generations, your family has given their all to create a farming legacy. The fields now in your care are a heavy responsibility to sustain. You can't control when or how rain falls, but you can ensure your fields remain productive by taking water drainage into your own hands with the SoilMax Gold Digger Tile Plow. SoilMax Tile Plows bring a quick return in dollars, but no ROI is greater than a family's farming future. Let SoilMax ensure your greatest investment continues. Visit SoilMax.com to learn more. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. 
Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. We've been talking about pre-emerge herbicides and soybeans. As we were going through all this, I just started thinking about some of the mistakes that I commonly see. So I've been an agronomist for 30 years now, and I just want to tell you about some stories when things don't work. Okay, so the the biggest mistakes, let's call it, with pre-emerge soybean herbicides, I'll start with this. Mistake number one, people don't get it on. This has always uh, boggled my mind, but that product category, and I, I mentioned it just briefly earlier in the show, uh, when you start talking about valor and authority, those products get returned at an incredible rate around the United States, especially in the upper Midwest, where farmers have the good intention in the wintertime of using them. They buy them, they pay for them, they pick them up. They bring them home. They have them right there on the spray truck, and they don't get them applied. Usually, it's because of this. And this is when farmers call me up and they say, "Okay, what do I do now? I didn't get it on." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean you didn't get it on? You planned on this for the last eight months." After remember last year when you had this the mess out in your field, and the guy goes, "Well, I, you know, it rain caught me." <laughs> okay, so they planted, and then it rained, and then they didn't get applied. Now. Believe me, we farm too, and I understand things happen, okay? But here's what I would encourage you to do. If you've got some weed issues out there, get the prion before you plant the soybeans. If you're going to plant and then spray, and that's very common, by the way, with strip-till, with no-till, that is very, very common. But if you're going to plant and then spray, you almost have to be right behind it. And it's really hard to stop the planter. Believe me, I know. Uh, So if if you're a one-man show and you go, well, I didn't want to stop the planter. I didn't want to unhook the planter and then hook up my sprayer. Or even if you have a self-propelled sprayer, I just didn't want to take the time to get the spraying done. I'm still going to encourage you, take the time to get the spraying done because it is worth a lot when you have that great weed control. I realize early planting is worth a lot too. So, I mean, we have tough decisions to make on the farm every year, but one of the things that my dad always told me is just start working through how many acres you have to do, how much labor you have, how much equipment you have, everything else. Can you realistically get that job done? Understanding that we do have a lot of weather events that keep us out of the field a lot of hours all throughout the spring. Okay. So that's the number one thing that I see where people do not get it on. Mistake number two is they get it on and then they don't get rain. Now, I realize if you don't have a pivot, then it's not really your fault that it didn't rain. Okay, but I want to talk to you about how do we get this stuff to work, get these pre's to work. Whether we're talking pre's in soybeans or corn or wheat or any crop, I don't care what it is. Here are always going to be my suggestions for you. Number one, I would till it in if you are in conventional tillage. And by tillage, I mean lightly tilling. I do not mean disc it in, then you're probably going to have streaks. If you can run out there with a field cultivator and fast, like seven or eight miles an hour to the point where I know you won't bury the, the herbicide, great. 
Oh, and by the way, when I as soon as I mentioned to some people, what? Run my field cultivator at eight miles an hour? Yes. They'll say, well, I'm not even going to cover the wheel tracks with that. What we always talk about is just put extensions on so your shanks are sitting a little lower right where your wheel tracks are. Then you don't have to work or then you don't have to run the entire machine deeper and you will find you'll get better overall uh, performance. Your herbicides will work better. But I, I just want you to think about this logically for a second. Okay, when you put a herbicide out on the soil surface, where are the weeds? Now, eventually, I realize they're going to get to the soil surface, but that's not where your herbicide is going to be very effective. Where your herbicide is really going to kill the weeds, it's one of two places. These are either root inhibitors or shoot inhibitors. The yellows, like Sonalan, Trifluralan, Prowl, those are root inhibitors. So for those, we actually wouldn't mind having them down in the ground an inch or two. Now, with Prowl, rain can move it down. But most companies are going to talk about, oh, it'll take a quarter of an inch and this stuff will work great. I'm like, look, you can get it to work somewhat at a quarter of an inch. But what I really like if I'm going to lay any pre-emerge herbicide on the soil surface is I like two to three inches of rain. Then I feel very confident whether my soil started wet or dry, um, you know, what the weather's been since. If I have two or three inches... Now I'm, I feel like, okay, now I can get 100% control, not just 90, not just 98. I can get 100% control if I get two or three inches. So as soon as I say that, you go, oh man, I don't know that I'm going to get two or three inches. Okay, so if you can't till it in, which you, I, I like, and the reason why I like it is now you get it down into the ground. So, yep, the root inhibitors can work. And also the other, the other way that these things work, by the way, is shoot inhibitors. Well, where we want to get that herbicide is right as that plant is germinating. And that tiny little shoot, if that hits some chemical, and by the way, that chemical is in water, and the plant is trying to bring in water, and it brings in water and the herbicide, the plant dies. It's easy to kill at that point. But anyway, I like the tillage because now you have it down in the ground. Otherwise, you have to have more rain to get it down into the ground and to get it into that plant. Okay, but anyway, if you say, all right, I don't want to till, I don't know if I'm going to get tons of rain, then my advice to you is just apply it earlier. You could apply any of these things that we mentioned today other than metribuzin, but anything else, there's no reason why you couldn't put it on in the fall. You can put it on right now if your ground's not frozen. You could also put it on real early in the spring. So, for example, in your last few days where the snow's kind of melting and the ground's frozen in the mornings, it's thawing in the afternoons, that's a perfect time to go out and spray. We've done a whole bunch of that on our farm over the years. Works great. So I would encourage you to take a look at that. And the reason why is because if I can get that product out there, let's say two weeks in advance, well, now I have two more weeks where I can get rainfall on it. So that's great. Now, the only exception to this and the only thing that I do worry about a little bit is when you talk about burn down. And so I've already talked about mistakes. People don't get it on, number one. Number two, no rain. Number three, the burn down doesn't work. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier in the show uh, about, hey, make sure you have enough water out there. But one mistake I do see sometimes is people use too much water. They'll use 20 gallons of water or they'll put it with fertilizer and it's 40 gallons or whatever. Well, a lot of these herbicides, they're designed, number one, to work in water. And number two, I want you to think about if you're burning something down and all you have is tiny little weeds. Let's say there's nothing out there other than half inch, quarter inch tall weeds. You do not need even 10 gallons but you have to get coverage. So if you're going to be running eight pounds of spray pressure and you have enormous droplets, 
you're not going to get coverage no matter what. Okay, so you've got to have a little more pressure. You got to have the right nozzle to get burn down activity. When we talk about burn down, what I worry about with these tiny little weeds is if we get too much water out there and not enough herbicide. So I talk about this all the time with Roundup, for example, when we're trying to kill weeds that have waxy leaves and the waxy leaf can't absorb a lot of the glyphosate. Well, what we want then is a little less water and a very high rate of Roundup. Because think about this, we want the droplet to be very concentrated because not many droplets will get into the plant and we have to deliver a lethal dose in order for that plant to die. Okay, so don't get too carried away in the water, especially if those weeds are small. Next thing, if the weather's too cold, and this is actually the number one thing that I see, and I don't care what herbicide it is, if we're talking about true burn down. So there are weeds up, we want to burn them down, we want to kill them, and they have already emerged. If it's cold, if it's 40, 50, sometimes even 60, that herbicide just doesn't work very well. You want weeds that are actively growing so the herbicide can get absorbed, number one, and number two, moved quickly to the growing point or growing points. So personally, I like to see the temperature in the 70s or 80s. Now, I realize we're talking spring burndown, and that doesn't happen super often. But at least, if nothing else, look for high nighttime temps. If the nighttime temperature is over 50 degrees, you're going to have much better performance. Now, I tracked this for like 20 years with a whole bunch of farmers around the United States. And, I mean, invariably, most of the glyphosate complaints, it was not resistant weeds. It was cold temperatures, and I could track it right back to, when did you spray? And we'd talk about, well, what was the temperature the night before or maybe the night after you sprayed? It needs to be warm. That is one of the big things that we see. And then, obviously, resistant weeds. If you have uh, issues with either burn down or residual control in your soybeans, you might be facing some resistant weeds. So just look for effective modes of action. We want multiple effective modes of action. Not just modes of action, but multiple effective modes of action, and you can do it. All right, we're going to get to your questions right after this in the Ag PhD Mailbag. There's a new authority in town. New Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines the best-in-class Group 14 PPO herbicide with the newest Group 15 herbicide for lasting residual control of water hemp, palmer amaranth, kochia, pigweed, and other tough, resistant weeds. This exclusive liquid premix of single-application chemistries protects your soybeans from pre-plant to harvest. It also protects your bottom line. Authority Supreme Herbicide qualifies for the agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Rule your soybean fields with more authority than ever before with Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC. More powerful preventative control isn't on the horizon, it's here. Visit your FMC retailer or fmccrop.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions, restrictions, and precautions for use. Authority Supreme Herbicide is not registered for sale or use in California. FMC and Authority are trademarks of FMC Corporation or an affiliate. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. The system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. 
featuring Extendamax herbicide with Vapor Grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. If your fertilizers aren't formulated to maximize your efficiency, if you can't mix all the PK and micros your crop needs into one prescription application, if you have to add products to improve and invigorate your soil biology, then you need to expect more from your fertilizer. With AgroLiquid's advanced technology, you can expect more, a lot more. Make the most of your crop nutrition. With AgroLiquid, to find a crop nutrition expert near you, visit agroliquid.com. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Our first question of the day comes from Susan. She says, my son and daughter live on farmsteads in northeast North Dakota, and Virginia creeper has gotten out of hand in their shelter belts. It will wrap around trees. If it gets big enough, it will eventually kill the tree. I've read the only thing to kill it is dicamba, but won't they kill the trees as well? What can they use to get rid of this invasive vine? Well, Susan, we don't have, uh, or at least much of, I was going to say any Virginia creeper. We probably have a little bit, but we do not have much of that. What we have right here in our shelter belts is wild cucumber, which is very, very similar in that it's a creeping vine. And here's the problem with spraying herbicides around trees. We just worry about leaf drop. Now, typically, I would say we're not going to kill the tree. It's just like... Back, what was it, a couple years ago, and everybody was really concerned about all the dicamba that was getting sprayed around the country, and there were some trees that dropped some leaves. And so we took a lot of phone calls here at Ag PhD, and we went out to a lot of farms around the country, and some people were going, oh my gosh, they killed my trees. And I'm like, they didn't kill your trees. I, I mean, I when I was a kid, I sprayed all kinds of 2,4-D and even some dicamba, and we I dropped leaves off all kinds of trees. Now, I wasn't trying to do that, but, you know, one of the great things, we talk about this all the time, we have made so many mistakes because <laughs> we try all kinds of things, and I'm glad that we make the mistakes because that's how you learn. Well, I learned that we didn't kill the tree at all. It just dropped the leaves off. The leaves stayed off for the rest of the year, but then the next year the leaves came back and the tree was fine. Now, I don't want to do that. I don't want you to do that. So, yeah, I, I'm not real big on going out there and spraying dicamba, at least during the season. If you want to spray dicamba, though, here's where when we do it in our shelter belts, that would be, and and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't even use dicamba anymore. We use that new 2,4-D that's low drift. But either one, dicamber 2,4-D, at a strong rate in the late fall 
or the early spring when the leaves aren't on the trees. So then we've been pretty safe. Okay. The other thing that you could do would be Roundup. If you do get Roundup on there, as far as I know, I haven't found any yet that's that's resistant, but Virginia creeper is not resistant, like I say, as far as I know, to glyphosate. And there are a lot of people that will use glyphosate in their shelter belts if they're trying to kill everything other than the trees. So if you've got grass there that you want to leave, then that's not going to work super well either. Uh, so what I end up doing, like with wild cucumber, to be honest... I go pull it by hand. <laughs> and I realize not a lot of people want to pull weeds by hand anymore, but that's what I encourage most people to do when you have creeping vines in your shelter belts. But again, yes, if you wanted to, dicamba would do okay. 2,4-D actually won't do too bad if you keep the rate up. Otherwise, Roundup would be an option as well. All right. Next question is from Jacob, and he asks, what does zinc sulfate cost in your area? In my area, it's only available in 50-pound bags at a cost near a dollar a pound. Well, Jacob, I'll tell you what, for 50-pound bags, that's actually not a bad price. I don't know what it is today, but I do know it's kind of been in that 80 to 90 cent range when you start talking about one-ton totes. You can get a little bit cheaper if you want to buy it in full semi-load lots. And uh, let me let me say this too, because... For any of our listeners, you're probably going, why in the world would you buy a whole bunch of zinc sulfate? I want to explain to you why. With zinc in general, one of the big things that we look at anymore is the ratio of phosphorus to zinc. Now, I, 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 let me preface what I'm going to say here by telling you, I we use a certain soils lab. It's called Midwest Labs in Omaha. It's the largest lab in North America, I, I believe, for a soils lab. And Anyway, when I'm when I'm talking about these ratios, I'm talking about ratios from Midwest Labs or or using their tests because there are different phosphorus tests. There could potentially be different zinc tests getting run as well. So when I'm looking at the P1 phosphorus, so that's weak bray or available phosphorus, and I'm comparing that to my zinc parts per million on a DTPA test done by Midwest Labs, we're usually talking about a ratio of 8 to 1 to 10 to 1. So where I'm going with this is I want you to think about your farm and take a look at your soil test that you maybe have pulled this fall. If let's say you've got some soil levels where you go, oh, that's pretty good. I'm getting pretty good levels of phosphorus. Now I got 50 parts per million. Quite frankly, I want 100 parts per million, but 50 is pretty darn good. Okay. It's, it's not bad. Uh, and then you feel like, hey, I should be able to get pretty decent yields here. Okay. So if you've got 50 parts per million and let's say you go out and you, you also had tested your zinc and you see, oh, zinc's at one part per million. Well, I better just make sure I throw some in with the starter. Now that's a good idea to throw some in with the starter, get some zinc out there when you're planting. But you think about that ratio. It's not eight to one. It's not 10 to one. You got a ratio of 50 to one. Well, when we see things like that, and one of the biggest things for me as an agronomist is I'm trying to help you figure out how to best invest your dollars on the farm so you get a good return on investment. Well, when I see a ratio of 50 to 1 P1 phosphorus to zinc, I go, yeah, you know what? There's going to be a really high probability that zinc's going to pay for you on your farm, not only with some application right with the planter, but also in terms of, you know what, I want to get that whole soil built up. When Darren and I first had some of these really high yield farmers to come to our farm and start putting in plots, 
back, this is five years ago for the Ag PhD field day, and I shouldn't even say come to our farm. They basically gave us instruction, gave our, our Ag PhD research lead, Glenn, instruction on, okay, here's exactly what we want you to do to try to get high yields. So it's been super fun learning from all those guys, but one of the big things that they will all talk about is soil health. Well, if you want to have good soil health, one of the ways that you can do that is have overall good balance of nutrients in your soil. So anyway, with zinc, that's a key. Zinc is really important for a lot of things, not just in the plant, but in the soil, in terms of overall soil life. The nice thing about zinc is this. It's not going anywhere. If you put it in your soil, it's pretty much there until your crop pulls it out, whether that's a year from now or 40 years from now, as long as your soil doesn't erode. The main reason why we see zinc ever leave a field or leave an area of a field is because of soil erosion. So what we usually would encourage you to do, if let's say you're really low, I was just giving the example of let's say you're 50 to 1, and so you go, oh, you know what? I want to get four, at least four more parts per million of zinc out there. It doesn't sound like much, right? But let's run the simple math on this deal. Okay, so if I'm four pounds or if I'm four parts per million short on zinc, to convert parts per million to pounds per acre in a six-inch soil test, you have to multiply times two. Okay, so I multiplied times two. Now all of a sudden my four went to eight. And then you go, all right, well, what product am I gonna buy to apply that? Well, with zinc sulfate, it's roughly eight times cheaper, seven or eight times cheaper than running liquid. Now, don't get me wrong. I love liquid. I love liquid for foliar. I love liquid for with a planter. That's great. You, you know, you low rates, um, you can get good performance out of that. You are relatively safe with that. And, you know, very often are getting a good return on investment. But that's not enough to build the soil. Okay, a lot of times people are putting a quart out with their corn. Well, you're barely keeping up, if even keeping up. You're not keeping up if you have 300 bushel corn spots in your on your farm. So I'm just saying here, if you want to build your soil and you want to build it once and for all, then you go out with zinc sulfate. So I gave the example of, okay, four parts per million. That's eight pounds of zinc I need. Well, zinc sulfate is roughly one-third zinc. It's 35.5%. So just we'll call it a third uh, active ingredient. All right. So then you basically have to take your eight pounds, divide by three. So that's 24 pounds. I need 24 pounds of zinc sulfate. So if let's say your zinc sulfate is um, just for easy figuring, it's 75 cents a pound. If you get it by the tote or by the semi load, then you're going to spend about 18 bucks an acre. And you might say, oh my gosh, Brian, I, times are tough. I can't afford $18 an acre. Well, don't forget, this is to fix your soil once and for all. Okay, And I, I would encourage you to get that zinc down into the ground a little bit, and then you'll be doing pretty well. It's going to stay there until you use it eventually someday. So that $18, that's the only time you need to spend it in the next 30 years, uh, 30 years of your farming career. And then all you need is maintenance basically beyond that. So we've done a lot of that kind of stuff. We've done the same type of thing with copper and uh, and even manganese to some degree. So I, I just really encourage you take a look at all the nutrients on your farm. Look at what do you need to build? What will stay in the soil long term? Obviously, nitrate won't stay in the soil long term. Neither will sulfate. Boron isn't super long lasting. But zinc, that's just like phosphorus. It is not leaving that field until you either have soil erosion, so the soil's gone, or until a crop or a weed <laughs> uses it up. All right, well, we hope you've enjoyed the show today. We talked a lot about pre-emerge herbicides and got to some of your questions. 
Uh, before we go, I just want to say thanks to our production staff. My sister Janelle was running the controls today. Thanks to all of our guests and everyone who uh, wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.